Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. Hi, I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. Go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Train your English with me. It requires time. It does require time and commitment. It's called Effortless English because it feels effortless. It's faster than other methods, more effective, more enjoyable. But effortless English is not lazy English. You have to do the time. I recommend two hours a day with the VIP program. Two hours a day listening to the lessons. And of course, one month's not enough, and four months is also not enough. I recommend with VIP, when you join VIP, it's because you want to be an advanced speaker. I mean, that's my program for my most motivated members, members that really want to become advanced English speakers, speak powerfully, speak fluently, speak confidently, think in English, speak English effortlessly. So when you join VIP, I know that's what you want. I know you're very motivated. You're, you have high standards. You have a kind of a high level of English that you want. So I recommend at least a year for VIP. My Power English program is a little shorter than that. If you want to start with Power English, you can. But Effortless English VIP program, at least a year, a year is minimum. Now, you're going to improve. In six months, you'll improve a lot. You'll definitely see strong improvement after six months. But keep going. Keep going. Our highest level members, the members that speak very close to native speakers, really achieve a high level of success. Very, very successful. They joined my VIP program for several years. Two years, three years, five years. Some have been members for almost eight years now. It's amazing. But, you know, they want to speak like a native speaker. They want to sound like an American or Canadian. So you decide. The great thing about the VIP program, about Effortless English in general, you're the master of your own learning. You decide. You join and you decide. You put in the time, you focus, you commit, and you get the results that you want. Join my VIP program today. Join today at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Speak not to me about agreements. There can be no agreements between men and lions. Wolves and lambs can never be of one mind, but hate each other out and out and through. Therefore, there can be no understanding between you and me.
nor may there be any agreements between us till one or the other shall fall. That is a quote from the Iliad, which is over probably around 2,800 years old. Very old indeed. Of course, the original was in Greek, so this is from an English translation. It's a very powerful quote from the Iliad. This is spoken by the great hero of that story, Achilles. Achilles, who is on the Greek side in the war. There's a war between the Trojans and the Greeks, and the Greeks' big hero is Achilles. Achilles is... uh, Uh, Well, he's a demigod. He's a half-god, half-man. And he is, by far, the strongest fighter on both sides. And in this quote, he is rejecting the idea of negotiation. He is rejecting the idea of making uh, some agreement with his enemies. And it's said very powerfully. So he says, don't speak to me about agreements. We're not going to have an agreement. No deals, no agreement, no negotiation. No talking between us, right? We're not, go- we're not going to have peace, is what he's saying. There will be no peace between us. And then he says, there cannot be peace. And he's, then he's using a metaphor. He's, he says, men and lions don't make peace. They don't negotiate Right? Men and lions. And then he makes another one. Wolves and lambs. Right? Wolves is the plural, meaning more than one. Wolf. Right? So he's saying a wolf and a lamb, they don't make a deal. They don't have do business together. They don't negotiate. They don't have peace. They hate each other. And they always will because they are... This is nature. Right? He says, wolves and lambs can never be of one mind. They can never agree. Oh, the wolf and the lamb will never agree because the wolf wants to eat the lamb and the lamb does not want to be eaten by the wolf. So they hate each other through and through. So then he says, just like this, we, he's talking to his enemy, we also can never have any kind of understanding together. There will be no agreements between us, right? No deals. Until one or the other falls. So he's saying the only agreement is that one of us will win and the other will die. That's it. That's all. No agreements, no negotiation. Only victory or defeat. It's strongly and beautifully said... And as you can probably feel, it's it's a very very strong mindset, right? You can s- you can see this from this quote, Achilles, the kind of man Achilles was. Achilles was tough, tough, tough. Okay, in the Iliad, Achilles is one tough dude. Okay, and everybody's afraid of Achilles. Even people on his own side are afraid of him because he is uh, he's a like a. He's, a, he's the toughest killer on, in both armies. He has a really bad temper. He gets angry easily. And uh, no one can beat him. 
And as you can see, he's not a soft guy. He's not soft. He's hard. Hard as a rock. <laughs> he doesn't compromise. I love this quote because it's a really nice balance. It, it, it expresses a very powerful mindset. And we need this mindset sometimes. Now, earlier this week, I talked. I had a quote from the Tao Te Ching, Taoism. And I've had some quotes from the Dhammapada, the Bhagavad Gita. Well, you know, especially Taoism. One of the key ideas of Taoism, principles of Taoism, is that, well, there's a, there's a Christian Bible quote, which I can't remember exactly, that has the same idea, but basically there's a time for everything, right? And that a lot, wisdom, one part of being wise, becoming wiser and having wisdom, is knowing when a certain mindset is necessary, right? Because timing is very important. The situation is important. What does this mean, right? The, you know, the, that Bible quote, there's a time for love, a time for hate, right? A time for peace, a time for war. There's a time for every season under heaven. And the birds did a song using the same words, <laughs> right? So what it's saying is that we can't be peaceful and soft and loving and caring all the time. But we also can't be aggressive and strong and hard like Achilles all the time. A big part of wisdom is knowing when to be which one, right? When is the time to be hard and tough and aggressive and without mercy, in fact, like Achilles? And when is the time to be peaceful and loving and forgiving? See, many times, good people, especially good people, most people are basically good, good hearts, I think. But as I've talked about in a past show, good people can have a weakness. And their weaknesses, they, that their goodness is used against them. Because there are evil people in this world. There are bad people in this world. There are very dishonest people. People who are liars and who will lie and lie and pretend and use this to cheat you and to harm you and to hurt you and to hurt people you, that you love and care about. And there are even worse people in the world who will do terrible, terrible things. Go look at that active self-protection uh, YouTube channel. You'll see it every day on that channel. Q is showing us this too. And one of the weak parts about you know, good people is that 
one of their weaknesses, one of their mistakes, is they don't understand this time for every, there's a time for every season, right? There's a time for each of these mindsets. And instead, good people can become too focused on the soft part. Love and forgiveness and kindness and softness, those are great. I mean, those, those are the one, that's what you should focus on when you're dealing with other good people and especially like your own family especially when you're dealing with children when you're even when you're dealing with um, someone else maybe you're competing with somebody else right maybe you have a disagreement a strong disagreement with someone else but that other person is still basically a good person you have a disagreement uh, maybe a conflict even you both want something different and one of you has to lose one has to win and so there might be you know it might be a very difficult situation but you know that they're basically good they're not trying to harm you they're just trying to you know take care of themselves and their own group their own family or something and you're trying to do the same so in that kind of situation also you can be softer and you can try more to negotiate and make a deal and maybe have a compromise that works very well and that's the good thing to do but the big weakness of good people that I've seen in the world and I and I'm speaking from experience because I've done it myself many many times that our weakness is that when we go against, when we encounter people who are not good, and then we still try to be kind with them, we still try to be understanding with them, we still try to be forgiving with them, and then what does that do? It just makes us weak. It, it, it lets them win. They use our goodness against us. They use our kindness against us. This is what evil people do. Now, I've seen this on a small level in the last few years. People who I've known who are... uh, I've gotten in discussions with them, arguments with them, things like that, uh, politically. And I was trying to just be kind of having honest arguments and discussions with them. And just being honest about my feelings and thoughts. And I, and I thought they were also, but then as, as time went forward, I could see they were lying. And I said, you know, you're lying. I, why are you lying? I don't trust you. And then they would lie again and then lie again and lie again. And then finally I started to realize they're just lying. And I learned the hard way, <laughs> the difficult way, I learned that, well, you can't have a reasonable discussion with someone who is lying all the time. If they're not going to be honest, you can't have a discussion. You can't make a deal with someone who's going to lie and cheat. Because they will just cheat you, okay? I learned this traveling, too. Now, if you travel to some countries and some cities as a foreigner, you'll get cheated a lot. And this happened to me, especially when I was younger. Uh, Traveling in India was the first experience, and it was a very strong one. When I was traveling around India, there were people trying to cheat me all the time. Especially the cities, but even in the smaller towns. 
and I was just kind of young and naive and oh, you know, I th just thinking, oh, everybody's friendly and everybody's honest. And so they, these people would just kind of walk up to me and they would, you know, tell me things and, you know, oh, please, hey, come, come look at my shop or, hey, I, I know something, let me show you this or that. And then eventually I would figure out they're lying to me and cheating me. And then I would still try to be kind of polite with them, though, because, you know, I came from where I came from, kind of a smaller town in the south part of the United States. You know, most people were, uh, were just uh, honest. I hadn't dealt with that before. I wasn't from a big city. But I got cheated again and again and again and again. And finally, I started realizing, wait a second, okay? Just because someone's pretending to be nice doesn't mean that I should just automatically trust them. Doesn't mean I should automatically be, be good and polite to everybody. Everybody does not deserve that. And I finally learned and I started getting smarter and I started dealing with those people very harshly, <laughs> okay? I learned how to be a lot tougher. And now, you know, I, you know, I just, I don't get really get cheated anymore when I travel. I don't even get bothered much when I travel anymore because I think maybe just I have an attitude <laughs> when I'm walking around, like, don't mess with me. Right. It's just, it's, I'm still friendly. I'm still friendly to people. But uh, if someone just walks up to me on the street and starts talking to me. Now, if they're fr an effortless English member, then I'll, oh, they'll say that and then I'll have a nice chat with them. But if someone just, some stranger walks up and they start talking to me and asking me questions, where are you from? What are you doing? I'm immediately suspicious because normal people don't do that. 80% of the time, they're trying to cheat me. The other 20%, they might just be curious. So I'm not completely mean right at the beginning, but I'm suspicious. Okay, I'm not just open. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And as soon as I figure out they're trying to cheat me, lie to me, then I am no longer friendly. And I can become quite mean and aggressive if I need to, right? There's a time for that. We can't always be nice. Nice sucks, okay? Nice is weak. This is the... I think we've all been tricked as good people. We've been tricked to believe that nice and good are the same thing. I did a whole VIP lesson about this. They're not the same. Good is about being virtuous and honest but good sometimes requires you to be tough. And so now, that's why I'm bringing up this Achilles quote. Because what do we do when we face evil? Q, for example, has brought us information about true evil. An evil we all agree is evil. For example, these people who hurt children who kidnap and steal children, who abuse them and do horrible things to them. What mindset should we have towards those people? Not forgiveness and love and kindness. No, they must be destroyed. We must have the mindset of Achilles. There can be no agreements with those people. There can be no discussion, no deals, no understanding right? With that kind of evil, you must destroy it. This is part of being a good person. Especially for men. This is part of it. We can't always be nice. 
Because if you're nice with evil, then you're letting evil win. You know, this connects again to my show this week talking about parents and, you know, so-called bad parents. And I said, you know, there are really kind of two kinds of bad parents. One we might call unskillful or maybe selfish or, or something, but, you know, they're, they're not evil. They just made a lot of mistakes and were foolish, whatever. But they, they're not, they were not trying to harm, they were not trying to hurt their children. But we also know that there is a group, there are parents who are evil, who do horrible things to children. They're evil. They're not just unskillful. They're not just selfish. No, they're evil. And I said, you know, if if or so, if possibly you had one one or more or two of your parents were evil, forget forgiveness. Okay. I mean, you could uh, forget trying to understand them. No, you never want to deal with them ever again. You need the mindset of Achilles in that situation. We can't be soft all the time, but we also can't be hard all the time. I mean, the Iliad, the story of the Iliad, and in many ways, uh, the Iliad shows why is you know teaches us, the audience, the danger of being hard all the time because Achilles creates a huge number of problems for the Greeks for his side because he's too hard all the time. He's hard with his own side, right? The, the, the story starts with Achilles having a big disagreement and fight with his own king, Agamemnon. And both of those guys, Ach both Achilles and Agamemnon, they're too hard, they're too proud, they fight with each other, and therefore they cause a split, a division inside the Greek army. And this causes lots of death and suffering and defeats and lots of problems, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, uh, you know, Homer, the author of the Iliad, is showing us, well, here's the problem of being hard all the time. And by the end, finally, at the, towards the end of the Iliad, Agamemnon and Achilles, after a lot of suffering, finally make peace with each other. And they both realize, oh my god, we were being really stupid. We, we were both being too hard, too stubborn. And we've, we, we've brought a lot of problems on ourselves because of this. So the, the message there is also that, okay, with, well, with your own side, right? Agamemnon and Achilles are on the same side. So having this mindset of, of no deals and no negotiation and this strong pride and they create it's definitely wrong in that situation. However, with their enemy in the middle of the battle, it's exactly the right mindset to have. In the middle of the battle, when the enemy's trying to, you know, stab you, kill you with a sword or a spear, you can't be thinking about peace and love and all that and <laughs> negotiation, right? You do what's right. And sometimes what's right is to fight. 
And it's the same message Krishna was giving Arjuna. Arjuna is at the front of the army. Now Arjuna's problem is not anger. The pro- Achilles' weakness is anger. He's really proud and he gets angry really easily. Even at people on his own side. Arjuna's problem is too much compassion. Okay, this is the message of today that I'm talking about. So Arjuna's problem is he's at the front of the army. He's got to fight this, this war, this battle. The other side is evil. Arjuna, he is right. He's on the si- side of rightness and goodness. His army's on that side. And he's out in front of the army and the battle's going to begin. And Arjuna suddenly wants to quit and surrender. Why? Because he's a coward? No, actually not. He's not really afraid. It's not, that's not the reason. He, he's, he doesn't have Achilles' problem. He's not angry and proud. No, his problem is compassion. It's actually kindness. Because when he's standing at the front of the armies before the battle, he's overcome by this incredible kindness in his heart because he, he realizes he's looking at the other side and he, he sees people in the other army on the other side that he, he maybe used to be friends with them. He knows lots of them are going to be killed. And he knows even on his own side, you know, his own army, there are people he cares about. And he knows some of them are going to be killed or hurt during this battle. And so he just, oh, he loses his courage. Because he, he just suddenly, oh, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't, this is going to cause so much, you know, suffering and death. He wants to be nice. He wants to be a nice guy. This is, I think, this is one another thing that makes the Gita so powerful because it does, it points out this very common weakness that good people have. Why, we don't want to hurt people. Of course we don't. But sometimes we have to fight. And so this, this kindness of ours can be used against us. It can be used against us as a weakness if we're not careful. This is exactly what Krishna says to Arjuna. He says, you've got to fight. You know, and, and he recognizes, Krishna recognizes Arjuna's not, he's not doing it to be a coward, but he's, he still says that, you know, you, this, this, will, this will do nothing. Because what, what if, if Arjuna surrenders, if Arjuna quits, what will happen? The other guys are still evil. They will still attack, and then they'll just kill them all. So all of Arjuna's people will still be killed, and evil will win. So by not fighting, Arjuna would not actually stop the killing. He just would make sure that the good guys all got killed, the good guys would all lose, and evil would be victorious. Evil would win. That's all he would do by trying to be nice. By trying to be nice, he would allow evil to win by surrendering. Krishna says this to him also. And Krishna points out that, look, the way to do this is you must fight, but do it without hatred. 
right? The, the evil guys, maybe they're full of hatred and, and the desire to cause harm. He's like, you have, you know it's right. You need to have equanimity. Try to just calm your mind. Don't worry about winning. Don't worry about losing. Just do what's right. And you know that fighting is right. That you cannot surrender to this evil. You've got to fight. That this is the time for fighting. This is the time for strength. And then, you know, of course, he gives him lots of other lessons throughout the Bhagavad Gita. All that's just right at the very beginning. That's just the very beginning of the Bhagavad Gita. But I think it's so powerful. I think one of the reasons it's so powerful that I feel it's so powerful is that, you know, Arjuna's situation is so common for us. I think Arjuna is is very typical of most good people. He has a good heart. He's not a coward. Coward means someone who's just afraid all the time. Arjuna's not a coward. But he just he's very kind. He doesn't want all this suffering to happen, this pain, the fighting. He doesn't want it to happen. Of, of course, nobody wants it. Nobody wants war. Nobody wants fighting. Not the good people. The problem is the evil people do. <laughs> so you only have a choice. With the evil people, you either fight or you lose. That's the only choice. They don't give you another choice. Right? It's just, again, like these people who are harming children. What, can, can we be nice to them? We can't. There's no choice. If we're nice to them, they will continue doing it. It doesn't work. They have to be destroyed. So there's a time for kindness and forgiveness. Usually that's with your own side, that's with your own family, and that's with other good people, even if they're not on your side. But when you know they're honest and good because they've shown you through actions... Well, then you try your best to make a deal and negotiate and understand each other and you, you find some compromise. That's what good people do. And, you know, sometimes it's hard because evil people pretend to be good. Right? They, they lie. Many bad people are quite good at pretending. And so at first they seem like they're good, but then you just start noticing, like, you know, that... Uh, you, you think you make, a, a, you make a deal with them, but then they break it. And then they pretend they don't understand. So that you try again, and then they break it again. And then you finally start to figure out, they're, these, they're not honest. They're lying to me. And when you finally realize that, you have to stop. You have to stop being kind, stop being understanding, and then you become like Achilles or Arjuna. Bring the pain. <laughs> fight, fight, fight. I will talk about this more in a minute. Meanwhile, I would like you to follow me on Gab. Gab, they, they, it's now Gab.com, by the way. They used to be Gab.ai. They still have that, but they have a. They finally bought the name Gab.com, so you can go to Gab.com and sign up. It's alternative social media. Gab.com, G-A-B.com. And you follow me at A-J Hoag, A-J-H-O-G-E. My Gab followers, I kind of think of my Gab followers as my hardcore fans. Hardcore. (laughs) 
hardcore means the most uh, the most enthusiastic uh, the most loyal the most energetic right you're the biggest fans VIP members and my gab followers so I kind of share cool quotes and interesting things on my gab account for you the hardcore fans <laughs> so again gab.com follow me at AJ Hogue AJ H-O-G-E Gab's becoming very popular in Brazil quite interesting lots of Brazilians on Gab Americans too of course and then lots of other countries too let's get back to this topic of courage 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 is the opposite of cowardice right cowardice is when you are afraid so you don't act you don't take action because you're afraid courage is the opposite you take action even when you're afraid okay courage does not mean fearless some people are fearless. Achilles is fearless. In the Iliad, when you read the Iliad, you see he's fearless. He does not fear death. He does not fear pain. This guy is... He's... He's superhuman in many ways, okay? He's just... Uh, he's incredible. He's tough. But most of us are not quite like Achilles. In, the, in fact, in the, in the Iliad, nobody else is like Achilles. Even Hector, the great hero of the Trojans is afraid. He's especially afraid when Achilles is trying to kill him. <laughs> he runs away. So, Achilles is kind of special. For most of us, to be courageous, to have courage, it means we if we're afraid. We are afraid, we're worried, but we still do the right thing. We still take action. We still take, we can call it right action. Right action means correct action, virtuous action, good action. To be courageous means you do that even when you're afraid, even when you're worried. What stops us from taking right action? What stops you from taking right action? Okay, I'm not talking about fighting or war. I'm, I'm just saying in your life, anything. Let's say you think, ah, oh, homeschooling. I should try homeschooling with my kids. But then you don't, you don't do it. Something's stopping you. Maybe it's fear and w maybe it's worry or something else. Or maybe you want to try to do some investing or start your own business or become more financially free. Or like Vanya, you know, or... Our friend Vanya, who's taking a gap year, not, didn't go to university immediately. Instead, wanted to travel. Or maybe say, take some other trip, or whatever it is. You have something in your life that you think is, is right, something you believe would be good for you, or good for your family, or both. But you don't do it. You haven't done it yet. Something's stopping you. What is it? What's stopping you from doing what you think is right? Correct. Usually it's just, it's an emotion. It's usually some emotion that blocks us. It's not usually rational, right? Logical. It's not logical. Usually it's, it's an emotion. We can even see this in these stories. Arjuna. What is Arjuna? What stops, what's stopping him at the beginning? Well, it's actually too much compassion. We might... Right, uh, 
too much kindness or we could say even pity pity because he just feels so he feels bad for everybody who's gonna die but it's an emotion that stops him that's why he's not thinking clearly with Achilles it's also an emotion that causes him to make mistakes and for him it's the emotion of anger he becomes blind from anger even towards his own people his own king and the king also is the same in that story I think for us usually it's some kind of fear or worry that stops from what I've seen on social media people asking me questions during the live shows it's usually fear and worry are the most common emotions that stop you from right action What's interesting to me is that even though I see the fear and the worry, what's interesting to me is that uh, many times with these questions, I can, I can tell, I can understand, I can see that you already know what is the right answer. You already know what you want to do. I can see that you, you want to take an action, right? You want to do it. You, th- you at least want to try it. Even if you're not sure, you think, oh, I want to try this whatever it is let's say with someone younger who who wants to take a gap year they don't want to go to university immediately they want to go travel first or maybe they finish university they don't want to get a full-time job first instead they want to do some traveling first they know what they want to do it's very clear that that's what they want that's what they think is the right thing to do now but then they're not doing it and then they start asking me questions and the questions always have some fears or worries or doubts in the questions but what, what I see again and again in these questions however is that it's like they're they're just trying to figure out a way to overcome the fear because they already know they want to do this that's what I get from these questions I can see it in the questions that they already want to do it they want to try it they want to do it but something's holding them back they know the right action but they just won't do it yet sometimes I wonder maybe maybe they think uh, they need to be fearless first Right? Maybe they think, oh, well, I'm afraid, I'm worried, so I can't do it yet. I have to wait until I overcome all the fear. I have to wait until the fear's all gone, then I will take the action. But that's, act- that's wrong. That's, that doesn't work that way. That doesn't work. The fear goes away after the action, not before. Unless you're Achilles. <laughs> if you're not Achilles, if you're a n- normal human like the rest of us... You take the action first while you're still afraid. You take the action first while you're still worried. You take the action first while you still have doubts. And then after the action, you realize, ah, I don't need to be so afraid. Ah, my doubts were too much. Ah, my worries were too much. And then you take another action and the fear goes down even more. And more and more. It's the action that comes first. That's what courage is. You're still afraid. You're still worried. You still have doubts. But you just take action anyway. And you become more fearless through action. The action is what makes you less fearful. 
some I th- seem to think you need to take a leap of faith. This is a common idiom in English. A leap of faith. A leap is a jump, a big jump. So a leap of faith, right? I'm going to take a big jump. Maybe you're afraid and you think you got to take a one big jump. Right? A one big, big change. So, for example, you want to start your own business. You want to be financially free. So you think, i got to take a leap of faith. I'm going to quit my job today, start my business tomorrow, and boom, going forward with a strong right action. But then that seems very scary. But that's also not necessary. You don't actually, most of the time, usually, you don't need to take a leap of faith. You only need to take a small step of faith. Not a big jump, just a small little step forward. And then another little small step of faith. You still need a little faith, but the faith grows with each step. So again, like in the situation of if you want to start a business, you don't need to quit your job today and borrow a huge amount of money and open some business and take a huge risk. That's a leap of faith. It's probably a foolish leap of faith in most cases. You can take a small step of faith. Keep your job. Continue working your job and just try some very small little side business, maybe real estate. You learn, start learning about real estate and buy a very, 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 very small little condo or something and rent it to make money, for example, but you, while you still keep your job. Or start to do some freelance work, little side work independently while you keep your job. Or you can do what I did. Um, Don't quit your job, just change to part-time. You get a part-time job so you have enough money to pay your rent and food and survive. And then you have more time to work on your business. So you work your job part-time and you work your new business part-time and grow your business step-by-step. Right? Those are little steps of faith instead of a leap of faith. It's a lot easier. It's less scary. Usually it's the smarter, more effective way. And what's great about that is you don't need huge amounts of courage to take a step of faith. A leap of faith, yeah. Sometimes a leap of faith, you really need courage because it's super frightening to take a leap of faith. It can scare a lot of people. But a small step of faith, not really. It shouldn't be that scary. It's the same with homeschooling. I can tell some people are interested in it, but they're afraid. Oh, what do I do? Well, you could take a step of faith, for example, just take your kids out of school for one semester, six, six months, four, five months, whatever it is, and just try it. Or try it for one year. You can always go back to school. They can always go back to school, right? Or you get to remember. It's the other thing about these kinds of decisions. Uh, you can always go back. Most of these are not 
hmm, what's the word? I think a lot of people, irreversible is the word in English, means you cannot change it back. This is, a, this is an error, this is a mistaken thinking. Uh, too many people, when they're thinking about these kind of decisions, they think they are irreversible. They think they cannot be changed back. So, for example, someone thinks, well, if I quit my job and start a business, oh, it's, they think it's a huge risk because they're making a mental mistake. It's a mental mistake, a thinking mistake. Because they think, oh, well, now my job's gone. So this is a giant risk. I can never go back. But that's not true. You can go back. <laughs> you can try a business for a year. If it fails, you just have to do a job search. That's all. I, I know job searches are no fun, but you can still do it. You can find another job. Maybe not the same exact job, but you'll get another job. You can always go back to working a job again. It's the same thing with a gap year and, and university. Again, I don't understand parents and and young adults, young men and women, both, they have this crazy fear about it. I don't understand it because it's there's no risk. I really don't understand. They, 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 they seem to think if they don't immediately go to college at age 18, if they take one year off, that that somehow this means they'll, they can never, ever, ever go to college ever again, which is crazy, okay? You can, do, you can not go to college, okay? You graduate from high school, you're 18 years old, you can travel for a year or work for a year, and then at age 19 or age 20, you can decide, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to college now, and then you just go to college. You just, you just go one year later or two years later or five years later or whatever, so it's not irreversible. You can easily change your mind again and go back. So wh why why so scared? There's nothing to be afraid. It's it's this is the crazy part to me that I don't understand. I don't understand it about the older generation or younger. These stories about parents who are terrified when their child decides not to go to college immediately and they go crazy and they put a lot of pressure on them to do it. I don't understand it. Why, why the big pressure to do it immediately? That there's this incredibly crazy fear. It's completely irrational. That's if the child, if this, it's not really a child, they're young adults, but if the, this young adult, this 18-year-old, it's like they're afraid that if they don't go immediately, that they'll never go back. And maybe they're right, because maybe they realize their their son or daughter will wake up. But you can go back, okay? People go back at all ages. You could go back to school at age 30. You could get out of uh, high school at 18 and then travel and work or start a business, do all of that for 12 years. And then just change your mind at age 30 and decide, you know what, I think I'm going to go back to school and learn to be an engineer. And then you just, you go to school, get an engineering degree, and then get a job. It's no big deal. No big deal. So your dreams, your dreams of freedom financial freedom, travel, whatever, your dreams of love and connection and relationships, your dreams of being confident, 
whatever your dreams are, you got to take those steps of faith. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be worried. And you don't need to do a leap of faith. You don't need to do some huge dramatic thing. Not necessary. Just, but you have to do something. You do have to take a step. I mean, what are you waiting for? This is your life. You are the master of your life. It's your life. No one else can do this for you. No one else will do it for you. It's your life. Why live for someone else and their fears and their worries and what they tell you? It's your life. You're responsible. If you think something sounds interesting to try, then try it. Just do it. What's the big deal? If you think something is the right thing to do, it's the right action, then just do it. Just take that step. If you if you just think something sounds, you know, like uh, interesting, you're not sure, well, just try it and find out yourself. Stop waiting. What are you waiting for? Why this terrible fear to be different? Why these crazy fears that you think up of all these horrible things that might happen, which won't happen? <laughs> okay, they don't. <laughs> They're crazy. You're just imagining them. Take a step of faith and you'll find out very quickly, oh, well, the world doesn't end. It's not terrible. I mean, like the ter- this terrible fear of homeschooling. Just try it. What's the big deal? What do you think is going to happen? What are you worried is going to happen? It's crazy, okay? Nothing terrible is going to happen. Nothing terrible at all. The worst that might happen is you might change your mind and then your kids go back to school. No big deal. That's the worst. The best that will happen is that your family will be much closer. Your children will get a much, much, much better education and you'll all be much happier. Seems like a uh, a good risk to take. It's very low risk, possibly high rewards. That's a good investment. Same with starting a, a little side business, a small business, or s- learning some investing. Wh- what's, what are you afraid of? What's the big deal? What's the fear? What do you think is going to happen? No one's going to come and take all your money away from you. I mean, you decide how you invest your money. So you risk only the amount you want to risk. So what's the worst that happens? Uh, You try, you put in some effort, and it doesn't work. That's probably the worst that happens. So you learn something. And then you go back and (laughs) work your job like normal. There's no big deal. What's the big fear? There's really nothing to fear. On the other side, what's the potential, the possible reward? The possible reward is your business is successful and you become financially free. You can live exactly as you want to live on your schedule the way you want. Financial freedom. Again, that's a great investment, okay? It's very low risk and possibly very high reward. That's the kind of investment you want to make. Those are the best decisions to make again and again and again. So enough of this niceness when it's not 
the right time. Enough of these crazy worries and fears. Take those steps of faith. Your dreams are waiting for you. Reach out and take them. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Join my VIP program today at EffortlessEnglishClub.com.